So I am Julie Smith. I'm the Development Director with the Work Skills Foundation. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast series, Better Together. And today we are really happy to have with us two of our providers in our clinical services program. And I am here today with my co-host, Stacy Anderson. Thank you, Julie. Yes, I'm Stacy Anderson, and I am with Anderson Philanthropic Solutions. But more importantly, I'm the um, on the board for the Work Skills Foundation as well as the Development Committee Chair. And so, so thrilled to be with you, ladies, today. I think we're going to have such a great way to kick off 2024 and learn a little bit more about the depth of what we do. Yeah. So, Work Skills has been around for 50 years. I know nobody in this room except me has been around that long. (laughs) However, people are familiar with the production that we do and the art program, but we really have grown so much over the years, right, based on unmet needs in the community. So we have added the residential program, we have training, we have home care, we have staffing, and today we really want people to know about the clinical services. So... You can flip a coin or decide who wants to go first and just tell us a little bit about you, about your program, how you came to work skills, and the benefits to the community. Yeah. Why don't we start with you, Taylor? All right. So I'm Taylor. I'm the speech and language pathologist at work skills. I've been here for around two years. I went to Eastern Michigan University for my undergrad, um, got my graduate degree from Michigan State. Started off in Detroit Public Schools and then came across an Indeed ad for work skills. You know, did a little bit of research, um, fell in love with the mission of the community outreach and, you know, just expanding to do better. You know, I did my interview with our COO, Anita Gibson, and she, um, if you know her, she will grill you, but she also <laughs> True she story. wants to kind of go into your mind and figure out what you're really passionate about and what you love. And we just, you know, really related on that. We love growth. We hate the stagnant, like it's always been done this way. We love the innovation and being able to expand and really do what the people in the community need us to do. So what we started the speech program, we had maybe about three children that I was providing services to. They were also receiving ABA services. Um, And for if you don't know what that is, that's applied behavioral analysis. That is a therapy um, to assist children with autism um, related to like their behaviors and stuff like that. So I was working in cahoots with our (laughs) behavioral analyst. And so we started with those kids and then we kind of, and they started a speech program because they realized that there was a need in the community in Livingston County for additional speech services for children. And then as we kind of dove into that, we figured out that there were adults that also were in need of our services. So I want to say I have around 20 clients now, about half are children, half are adults. My youngest is three. My oldest, I think, is in their 60s. So I really, you know, go across the lifespan and we work on all sorts of things, whether, you know, it's your typical working on your R's or, you know, working on your articulation. Um, We do a lot of expressive and receptive language. So that's language as you understand it and as you express it to other people. We do cognition, we do organization, Um, you know, I take people off the work floor and we sit and we work on, you know, 
different skills that they need to be able to interact with, you know, peers at work in the community, their families, um, self-advocacy. So we really hit once we're across the lifespan and we kind of do it all. I think that's really cool about taking people off the work floor because I know we've talked about this, right? When you, as a human, right, have to organize all the pieces of your life and the places you have to go, the appointments you have to get to, and when you add to that that you're a parent, that kind of grows exponentially. But when you're a parent of someone with special needs, imagine all the different places that you need to go to get the services, the therapies you need. And that's why I think it's really cool for people to understand that this is all under one roof at work skills. So you have people who you work with who are there doing production or art, am I understanding? Yes, we do. And then we also accommodate to school hours. So we have a lot of our smaller friends, they come to us after their school day is done. And then I really like, because they um, can come, the, typically the children can come to me more in the summer when their school services are suspended because the school SLPs don't typically provide, you know, just your normal services during the summer. They usually do kind of catch up services and stuff like that. So then I can kind of, you know, help supplement those services as well. Um, I work really closely with a lot of people at LESA, you know, we're in conversation and we, you know, talk and make sure that we're working together, you know, across different settings to make sure that these children are getting what they need. What a nice holistic look at speech itself, because, you know, you think about it and I think it's something that so many of us take for granted that we can communicate or somewhat communicate our needs. But um, Taylor, I know I've heard you talk about there's a lot of children out there who just never learned how to speak or how to how to share what they need or how to ask what they need. And, um, and I imagine that would be very frustrating for them as well as their parents. Do you work together with the parent and the child? And I, and I don't mean to just focus on the children here, but... Um, you know, how, how do you best summarize how you holistically address those needs to communicate? Is it a team effort between the parent and the child? Is it mostly you one-on-one with the child? You know, how does that, how does that look? And so I love the team approach. So of course it starts with the client. Um, the client is my main priority, but then, you know, the ideals and the values of the family really play in. Um, you know, I love to know what they've tried, what's worked, what hasn't worked. Um, And then, you know, expanding with the children that are also receiving ABA and OT, I can collaborate with those practitioners. And then our adults that are out on the work floor and in the art room, I can also coordinate with the people that, you know, help coordinate them out on the floor and in their workspace as well. So I like to, you know, get the whole team. You know, I've, like I've said, I've talked to teachers, I've talked to other practitioners I've worked with, you know, they're in different programs. I try to and we work really closely with community mental health as well. So I'm always in those uh, care, uh, the case managers uh, inboxes for sure. That's great. And so, so you mentioned you're seeing about 20 clients right now? About, you know, ebbs and flows. I think typically we're around like 20 to 25 people. Okay. You know. Do you feel like there's a wait list or an, an increased need in that world um, that could potentially expand in the future? So I'm... Definitely can still take more clients. I'm not at my capacity of what we of like what my workday looks like. I can still I still have gaps in my schedule. Um, the dream is you know to be able to have my schedule full and then us to need more so that we can help more people. We're not quite there yet, but yeah. 
So for now, it's just you. It is just me. Well, and my wonderful friend Hannah has joined me. So we're <laughs> oh, good oh, segue. Hannah, we'll get to you in just a moment. <laughs> <I'll still laughs> <guess. laughs> good, good passing of the baton, Taylor. <laughs> Try my best. <laughs> Those wonderful communication skills. You're clearly a master of your art. <laughs> I try. Um, and one last question. So can you t- remind me the year that this started? How many years has this been going on at Work Skills? We've been offering the service. ABA has been a little bit longer, but speech started in January 2021. Okay. A couple of years. I have many more questions, but I don't want to um, get too distracted from our girl Hannah right. over here. No. So um, I know you two work hand in hand, um, as you do with ABA um, as well. Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for work skills? Yeah, so my name's Hannah. I'm the occupational therapist at Work Skills. Um, I'm helping develop our OT program, so we're just getting started. OT is kind of misunderstood by a lot of people typically. So most people think it's either physical therapy or we just help you find a job, but we're a lot more than that. We, I like to explain it as um, we work on anything that occupies your time. So we hit these specific occupations. So I explain it as during my day, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I go to the bathroom, I get dressed. I usually do a little workout, make some breakfast, come to work, and then do whatever I want after work. And that's what occupies my time. And those are all occupations. So if something happens to me where I can no longer do all of those things, that's where OT comes into play. And then an OT would help me be able to adjust my independence to still be able to do the things I want and need to do throughout my day. Thank you for explaining that. I, never <laughs> I, I will great. raise my hand to those who thought that occupational therapy had to do with work. It is. It, a lot of people have no idea. Even when I meet a new family or a new client um, in the hospital setting, that's where I was working previously, um, they would say, oh, like, you're physical therapy, right? Or you just do hands or you just do upper body. I'm like, no, we're a little bit more than that, but mm-hmm. let, me, let me show you what we can do. Um, so I always just like to explain it before I get started just so it's Thank communicated you. beforehand. And I'm not, uh, when I walk into the room, it's like, oh, PT's here. I'm like, no, we're, we're OT. <laughs> um, but yeah, just trying to advocate for the profession um, in this new role too, because I think, um, just in the community, anyone can benefit from OT, like even myself. Um, it's, we hit a lot of broad aspects. A lot of people just kind of think we're on the medical side of things. Like if you have a stroke or if you have a traumatic brain injury, that's only when you need OT, but that's not necessarily true. Um, I know a lot of the kids that have ABA um, at work skills, they have a lot of sensory needs, um, whether that be loud noises bother them or they need to take some time to themselves or take a break. So OT, we call it a sensory diet where um, we can administer the assessments called a sensory profile. So I would give it to the parents and they would go through a list of a lot of different things to kind of give me better information of what the child needs look like throughout their entire day um, from a sensory aspect. And then from there, we can create this diet, diet, um, where if they are needing some sensory input or a sensory de-escalation or something like that, we have, I can give them the tools and things to do that. So that's one thing that we do that's not really medical-based, and um, we also help the mental health community. So it's a lot of 
We can work on um, building up self-confidence. We can work on finding productive, like, leisure activities. So you have better coping strategies. Um, So it's very broad, and it's kind of hard to explain. But once I kind of evaluate and see what the client needs, that's where I can go from there. That's so incredibly insightful and helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I, too, was confused about what OT was before I sat down and, and learned from you. And, you know, what a, again, similar to speech, what a wonderful holistic program and approach um, to ensure that these clients have everything they need to be successful, both on and off the job. Right. You know, um, and, you know, from the mental health standpoint, and gosh, what a conversation these days. Mm-hmm. I think it is so wonderful that you are teaching coping mechanisms and how important that downtime is, too, to doing anything, like you said, whatever that occupation may be. Mm -hmm. Um, Wonderful. Can I ask you, Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to work skills? So you mentioned the hospital setting and, you know, what inspired you to get into this career? Right. So I went to undergrad at Saginaw Valley State University. I played soccer there. Um, I got my bachelor's in exercise science. I was en route to do orthotics and prosthetics, but I then realized a little too late in my uh, path that orthotics and prosthetics is kind of behind the scenes and you didn't, you don't really get to work hand in hand with um, the people. And um, I just really wanted to make those connections and make a difference um, that was kind of more seen. So I ended up going to grad school at Eastern Michigan University where I got my master's degree. And my I have two older sisters and one, my oldest sister is actually an occupational therapist. So she kind of um, introduced me to the profession and she helped build my love for the profession. Um, so from Eastern, we do, we have to do field work. So I had the chance to work at Mary Freebed Rehabilitation Hospital out in Grand Rapids, and that was an awesome experience. It was inpatient rehab. And then I also got to work at um, DMC Children's Hospital in Detroit. So um, I have a long background in hospitals, um, but what drew me to work skills, what it, it was a challenge for me. I assumed that I would always work in a hospital. My parents both work in a hospital. But I was like, let me try something different. Let me challenge myself and see if I can do it. Um, and then I saw an Indeed ad for work skills and I researched it and I didn't apply for it at first. I was like, man, when I looked on the website, I didn't see anything for occupational therapy. And I was like, I'm just really confused where OT would fit in. So I just like kept looking at it. I talked to my sister about it and she was like, just do it. Just apply. And I was like, all right, I'll apply. Um, and then I had a couple phone interviews, a couple interviews with Taylor and then Anita and Amy. Um, and I just, I loved all the people that I met. Um, one of the things that I've never had in the past was a good working environment where I got to meet a lot of people. Um, my first full-time job, I started during COVID during Mm -hmm. 2020. So it was very, I went to work, I went home. I didn't really get to interact. Um, so that's one thing that I fell in love when I had my interviews and that's kind of what drew me to the company. And then when I found out that I would be building this occupational therapy program um, and help develop it, I was a little nervous, but I was like, you know what? I can do this. I'm um, I'm a new grad in August. I just graduated. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> I passed my board exam 
And I was like, I, I have the skills and knowledge that I could help work skills develop a great OT program. So I just, I'm trusting my abilities. I'm trusting Taylor to um, <laughs> just help guide me and make the right decisions and everyone at work skills to help me too. It's wonderful. Can you tell me um, a little bit more about what triggered the development of this program? Because as you said, this is very, very new. Right. Um, obviously, this is, this serves a, a wide breadth of the community or will serve a wide mm-hmm. breadth of the community. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of this program. Yeah, I think what I've learned so far is that a lot of the people that we serve currently have OT, but they go somewhere else for it. Or um, like our clients out on the work floor or in art, they have an OT that comes to their home um, from like an outsource kind of company. Um, so I think that was the need because we have in-house speech. And I think a lot of it's beneficial to have everything in one spot, like the one-stop shop. Yeah. Um, and seeing the need of all of the kids or the adults that need OT, um, I think that was the drive to kind of put it in place just to make sure that if they want to come to work skills and get everything that they need, they can. Well, and I'd imagine too, um, sorry if I'm dominating here, but um, you're fine. I'd imagine too, a question for both of you having um, consistent um, therapy or consistent touches with these clients is only going to enhance what you already do. So the consistency of having it in-house with the same person, you know, understanding exactly what the circumstances behind um, all of the, the interactions are and being able to control that environment a little bit, I'm sure streamlines your work, but um, also in, it ups the um, success rate. Too. Do you see growth um, in your client? No, I know it's relatively new. So right. do you see growth in your clients just from having it so easily accessible to them? Yeah. And it's really nice to be able to bounce your ideas off of other practitioners. You know, I'm we sure. all kind of come, I mean, including our BCBA and Natasha, um, we all kind of come, we all have a, a similar goal in mind, but um, our education backgrounds are a little bit different and our, you know, the different places we've worked are a little bit different. So Maybe I've seen a, you know, a kid that has had sensory needs and I know a couple, you know, things to implement, but I would really love for Hannah to come pop her head in and take a look at what I'm doing, maybe make some, some suggestions because I mean, from what I've learned in all of my work is that a child that's struggling to get themselves grounded sensory wise is not going to learn anything. No. They, distracted, they need, I'm yeah, sure. distracted, yeah. you know, having uncomfortable in their own body, you know, so sometimes that either makes a kid stop or it makes them run around like crazy. Um, and then it's just obviously our people that are out on the work floor. Um, I mean, I can, you know, work on their cognition and all that sort of stuff, but Hannah can also do that too. They, we both, we kind of have, if you're, we are on a Venn diagram, we do have a little bit of overlap in the middle. So that's great. There's like total, I mean, so we can both kind of tag team and do it. But I'm working yeah. on this. You work on this. Um, You're you familiar know. with the same clients, yeah. I'm sure. And you can kind of check each other's blind spots. Yeah. Well, and the thing that I think is also a benefit of having all these things available at work skills, think of the clients, right? Whether it's a child or an adult, now they have this community, right? They could be walking down the hall and see Taylor or see Hannah or see one of the ABAs or see someone from production 
and it just it gives them a sense of community right the familiar faces and if they have a have a need have a want have a want to say hello to somebody they see people that they know and I just think that's a real benefit yeah I agree absolutely I know I'm putting you both on the spot here (laughs) but I would love to hear maybe your favorite success story so far something that really you know grounds you in the fact that you made the right choice with coming to work skills or um or in your profession so I do have a child-based one and an adult-based one if you don't mind if I share both I love it um so we have I have a smaller friend um I want to say he's nine and he comes from a background where there's some trauma involved um there was a lot of different movement in early in his childhood, and now he's in this amazing, stable household with family that really emphasizes, you know, making sure that they get their therapy, making sure that they're given the best tools and opportunities that they have to be able to, you know, prosper, you know, as they develop and grow and, you know, move on to middle school and high school and their adulthood, all that good stuff. So when I first met him, um, Pretty much just getting him to sit at a table with me was the goal of the session. He was very emotional. There was, you know, just a lot going on. Um, a lot of things were very triggering. Um, he didn't have very much language to explain what he was feeling and why he was feeling that way. Um, so I suggested that we get him a um, AAC device, which is an alternative and augmentative communication device. So, um that could be a whole podcast on its own of going going into the depths of that. But so duly noted, <laughs> so, <They're> very cool. <laughs> right. So um, this child specifically uses an iPad with um, a program called Proloco to go to. Um, that's the device. Yes, he, he also speaks verbally, but we've learned that um, using verbal language in conjunction with the AAC um, is good for language development and it actually because a lot of parents get afraid that it's gonna that they're gonna rely on the ipad and they're not gonna talk so we got him this device and we started kind of playing around with it you know modeling you know making it really easy breezy not too much pressure and his verbal language has just skyrocketed i mean he will tell you all the silly things that have happened in his day but then every once in a while he'll grab the device and he'll want to talk that way or he'll do both at the same time and this family is going to Disney World in March. Yay. And so I did create a Disney folder. We're very excited. We went through a lot of the characters you can um, meet at the park. Um, so we put those characters in. We put the castle. And he just kept on saying, I go Disney World. I go Disney World. So Aww. he's very, very excited. What a what a great example of um, having that relationship with the parents mm-hmm. and, you know, how much that um, – you know, that interaction benefits the child because you're exactly right. You can tailor your therapy to exciting things that are coming up and that's got to just skyrocket, again, skyrocket his success. Um, That's so cute. It's very cute. I was very excited. Yeah, I texted the mom and she was like, oh my gosh, he didn't like really feel like he understood that we were going. And then he saw a a commercial and now he has the device and now he can't stop talking about it. So then we kind of put the connection together. Um, And then for my adult success story, I recently got an email from a parent just, you know, just thanking me for giving their child. I mean, who is an adult? She's in her 30s the tools to be able to, you know, advocate for herself to, you know, um, clear up communication breakdowns. She was, um, 
very prone to kind of giving up. I don't know. I don't want to do this. I'm not sure. And now she's like, no, I'm going to explain this to you. I'm going to make sure that you understand it. So she, if I'm not catching exactly what she's saying, she will, you know, talk around it and we will figure it out. We get to the end of it, but you know, just the perseverance and I mean, the, you know, the ability to not fatigue when you're feeling that really, like, it's really frustrating when somebody doesn't understand you. Oh, I'm sure. So, you know, yeah. And so, I mean, if you're used to just like either somebody will just guess what you want and you just can say whatever, I don't really have to keep on going. Um, but to give her the tool to be able to keep on going and to be able to persevere and to get to the end goal of, there was one she was trying to tell me that she had tacos for dinner, and I just was not catching it. She goes, you put the lettuce and the sour cream. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you had tacos for dinner. <laughs> and we were very excited, so I ended up emailing her mom, and I was, like, so excited. Her mom sent me a picture of the tacos because she nice. made them in a muffin tin and all the cute stuff. So it was really fun. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, you just hit on something, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to derail it all, but you just hit on something that I think is so important for both roles here um, and and something that work skills does so well is we teach um, these clients to advocate for themselves mm-hmm. and to be their own person and to be sustain um, self-sustainable and um, independent and um, not only from a self-protection standpoint but from a self-success standpoint you know the the clients now have the tools they need in order to grow into that next role in order to push their limits, in order to be confident as well as create strong boundaries, which I think is some, um, you know, I'm sure parents or caregivers get fearful about that they don't know how to create boundaries. So way to change lives. <laughs> Hannah, what about you? What are some success stories that, you, that you've taken away so far? I, I know it's early on, oh, but, yeah. um, but you've got, I'm sure you've seen some really great things. Yeah. Um, I definitely have. I know two come to mind, so I'll share a, a little kid story and then um, I also have an adult story. But so when I was working at DMC Children's Hospital, it was very intense. I saw a lot. I worked in the ICU, um, saw a lot of sad things, um, but I also saw happy things. Um, so I had this one friend that she got really sick. Um, she was put on ECMO, which is basically life support. Um, for kids. She was five, but eventually we started occupational therapy with her. We started it while she was still on ECMO. Um, Even moving the body when you're not with us, technically, is still beneficial. Um, So from that, she eventually got better. She got off ECMO, and then she eventually came to our inpatient rehab side, and we started therapy with her. So when she came to us, she couldn't walk. She couldn't even crawl. So it was essentially like she was back at baseline as a baby. Um, So a lot of the things that we work on as occupational therapists is our developmental milestones. Um, So from ages zero to five, from um, you are supposed to be hitting these certain milestones developmentally. um, And we kind of started back at ground zero. So... Um, I worked on tummy time with her um, because she wasn't able to hold her neck up to eat. Um, So it was very sad, but we started um, just tummy time. We did crawling to toys that she was excited about um, or to food that she was excited about. We eventually got her up sitting by herself. um, 
And then we eventually got her to feed herself. Um, from there, we worked on standing, um, supported at a table, and then unsupported, um, just playing with toys that she liked. She liked music. We had, I um, got an opportunity to work with a, musical, a music therapist, so we um, did a little dual treatment there. Um, and eventually, well, it took a long time, but with occupational therapy and the whole team approach, she was able to walk out of that hospital That's by amazing. herself. Um, Do you wonder, like, where is she now? Like, that's always the thing. I, like, that would be hard. That's one hard thing about our profession. I feel like we don't, we get them to a certain point where we're, like, awesome, but then... They don't need we don't you. Really, I know. I'm happy they don't need us, but at the same time, I'm like, I hope they're doing just as well. Yeah, um, sure. But, yeah, that was an experience that I'll never forget, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I... Also had an opportunity to work with an adult in school. Um, we saw him once a week, and it was more for our mental health um, rotation. Um, and he, it was kind of fresh out of COVID, so he was very self-isolated. He didn't tend to leave his dorm room, so we started teletherapy. Um, so we met with him once a week on Zoom um, to try to build up his self-confidence Um, help him realize that he can do hard things and can leave his room and be sociable again. Um, So we saw him once a week for about eight weeks. And at the end of eight weeks, he actually at the sixth week, he agreed to have in-person therapy with us. Um, So that was awesome. That was a big milestone because um, he just didn't feel like he could socialize the same after COVID. It was very self-isolating. Um, for everyone, not yeah. just him. Um, but so at the end of our time together, he actually joined two clubs at the school. Um, he came to therapy in person, and we taught him multitudes of coping mechanisms um, for positive self-talk, um, just different techniques to help him get through his day and be successful. So that was oh that gosh. was really cool too. How timely! You're exactly yeah. right. Everybody kind of came out of COVID, I think, a little differently. Um, right. But I'm sure so many in that boat. Oh, of, yeah. It's just hard to get restarted there. Yeah, I am Amazing. so excited that you guys have shared these stories. Like, yeah. I just people need to know what's going on over at the Skills, right? Oh, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, I I think we picked two of the best to come and share stories. I agree. (laughs) And I so just a general question: if people are looking for speech or OT, do like is it? Do you already have to be working at Work Skills to receive services, or how does that work? If someone's looking for services, no, we have the ability to. take you if you have private insurance we do have ability for private pay um and then we do work really closely with community mental health which is where we do get a big bulk of our um referrals but we are you know really working um together as our clinical services team to expand into the private insurance realm so you know it's like called the credentialing process and it is daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, we do. So currently for speech, um, we do take all of the blue cross blue shield insurances. Nice. We are not quite there for OT yet, but it is on the horizon. We are getting there. Um, and then the same for priority health and United health. 
Well, and I'm sure that we can put the information in the in the comments or the show notes mm-hmm. so that if someone is interested or even wants to learn more, are you guys good with giving tours and showing your stuff? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. wait. Speaking of showing, are you in your new offices? We I know that you are. are oh. We are moved in. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you both like doing your therapies in a room about half the size with clients? <laughs> maybe maybe even a third or a The size of the table, kind <laughs> yes. of the size of yeah. the table. Very small, which in some scenarios is the ideal place to do it, um, depending on what the oh. child's needs are. So it's not horrible. Because they gave me a very a very nice space where I have lots of toys and lots of options and lots <laughs> of things to play with. Um, but now we have um, a much bigger space where we can kind of have a shared space. Um, so whether it's related to co-treating or kind of, you know, sometimes it's really nice to have, especially with the younger ones, having their eyes on each other so that they can kind of, some different um, beha- behaviors can be modeled or like, oh, I see them doing that. That looks like fun. Maybe I can try. Um, but then we also kind of have our own private spaces to our offices so that we can, you know, when it's time to get some, you know, you know, nitty gritty work done, we can bring the client in there. And then that's obviously where I see my adult clients. We don't have them running around the playroom, unfortunately. I can't um, wait to see it. I'm going there later. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see because, you know, Stacy. every time you come to work skills, we're building, renovating, changing, moving well, something. Yeah. But I, I think we talked about it a little bit um, off the podcast too, that this is going to really, this, um, this greater space is going to expand your ability to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. And to be more convenient to um, everybody's needs. So, for instance, we talked about uh, busy, busy parents that need to get in at specific times, you know, definitely not during the dinner hour, but um, right after school, it's going to make it more convenient for that. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as these programs grow, you're going to be able to serve more people and getting them off that wait list and making sure that our community has the resources it needs to get everybody what they need to be successful, right? Right. Yeah, and we have run into the scenario, too, where, you know, parents have multiple kids. So because our space was so small, it was kind of hard to separate. So, I mean, they're not going to leave their kids in the car in the waiting room by themselves. So obviously, you know, you understand that you need they need to bring the whole crew. Um, But so now we kind of have a scenario where, I mean, the – the other children in the family might be able, I might be able to set them up with a couple of toys in another space so that we can get our work done and then we can kind of reconvene at the end um, where that's been a little bit difficult in the space that we, our previous space to do that before. Sure. And, you know, we, we talk about the holistic approach of work skills, whether it be, you know, the art program or production or residential or whatever it may be. But I think that the thing that, um, that doesn't get said enough about work skills is how we're here for the community and we're here to make it um, accommodating and convenient for anyone to ensure the success of the client, right? So, you know, you mentioned that um, it rarely is a, a parent coming in with just one child ready to go. <laughs> you know, usually there's, I know, certainly from my point of view, there's a there's a whole barrage behind you. And um, gosh, how comforting is that as a parent to know that you're going to a safe place where your, your other kid can do homework or play or melt down or whatever, and it's not going to impact the quality of the support given to the child that's in need or the adult that's in need. Yeah, and then one of my great. personal passions as well is teaching 
people how to play with children. So much language comes from play. So then the ability for the parent to be able to be there and sit and to learn and to play um, is really important to me as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, ladies, this has been incredible. Incredible. Do you have anything that you would like to share with us? You know, are there any specific needs out there that you just want the community to hear or anything like that before we wrap up? Um, I think the main thing just to remember from an OT standpoint is that we're not PT and we're not going to help you find a job, but we can do so much more than that. Absolutely. Again, thank you for clearing it up. I can't tell you how much of a mystery that was. Oh, wait, I just thought of something. Can I jump back in? Then I promise I'll stop. (laughs) As I recall, we have a wish list for clinical services, do we not? We do. All right. Uh, Can we post it? I will have to check with the powers that be here. But yeah, I think we can probably put that in the show notes as well. I Thank you both so much. Oh you gosh, did a great thank job. You. Thanks thank for, having for having us. Yeah. Yeah, this was fun. It was great. Thank you for all you do for our community and getting everybody what they need to be successful and independent and have a happy life. 